0: Master! Master! Hmm? I have... It's, uh... It's very bad news. Ah, Shifu. Well, there is just news. There is no good or bad. Master, your vision... Your vision was right. Tai Lung has broken out of prison. He's on his way! That is bad news. If you do not believe that the Dragon Warrior can stop him. The panda? Master, that panda is not the dragon warrior. He wasn't even meant to be here. It was an accident. There are no accidents. <sighs> yes, I know. You've said that already. Twice. <laughs> well, that was no accident either. Thrice. My old friend, the panda will never fulfill his destiny, nor you, yours, until you let go of the illusion of control. Illusion? Illusion? Yes, look at this tree, Sifu. I cannot make it blossom when it suits me, nor make it bear fruit before its time. But there are things we can control. I can control when the fruit will fall, <laughs> and I can control where to plant the seed. Haya, that is no illusion, Master. Ah, yes. But no matter what you do, that seed will grow to be a peach tree. You may wish for an apple or an orange, but you will get a peach. But a peach cannot defeat Tai Lung. Maybe it can, if you are willing to guide it, to nurture it, to believe in it. But how? How? I need your help, Master. No. You just need to believe. Promise me, Shifu. Promise me you will believe. I, I will try.
1: One of my favorite phrases in that scene is this, when Master Ugwe says, you must give up the illusion of control. Just Master Shifu's complete, completely kind of incredulous response of illusion? <laughs> this is an illusion? I can't control everything that's going on. Welcome welcome to the second week of our series uh, called Why Am I Here? About discovering and embracing our purpose in God's and, and trying to lean into what he has laid out for us. This week we're going to be continue our study of, of Solomon's writings in Ecclesiastes. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And... I will tell you up front, really this week's purpose, the goal here is to is to remind us that we, we find our true purpose in trusting God's purposes, trusting his leadership, and in giving up the illusion of control. You know, even as, as followers of Christ, this seems difficult for us at times because the truth is we like to live in this illusion of control. We like to believe that we can dictate in some ways the outcomes of our relationships and our finances and our health Um, and even sometimes our relationship with God that we can dictate those things but the truth is deep down we know mentally we know we can't It doesn't mean we don't enjoy living in the illusion that we can (laughs) right living in the illusion that we can do that and it's really what frustrates us when things seem out of control. Our world seems out of control around us right now, or, or your health, you suddenly have a health scare, your health seems out of control, or, or our relationships seem out of control. When that happens, it's really not the loss of control, the loss of control that causes the problem. The real problem is that the illusion is broken. The illusion that helps us feel safe and secure that we are in charge is broken. But the big question for us as Christians ultimately is this. We profess that we trust the Lord with our eternity. We trust him with our salvation. We trust him with the entirety of our souls and our existence, right? Shouldn't we learn to trust him also then with our present? If you hear the The noise in the background, guess what? It's soybean season they're harvesting. It's that time of year, right? So that that is the big question. How do we learn to trust God in the present? We profess that we trust him with our eternity. We have given him our, our, our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And said, Lord, I trust you with that. We have become his people following him. How do we trust him in our present too? Because inherently, that means recognizing the notion that Any illusion we have of control is exactly that. It is an illusion. Influence? Sure. We can make personal choices that really will influence the direction our life takes. But total control? That we can dictate it? It demonstrates that we don't trust that God's purposes, God's plans are greater. That God is the one who is in control. It means we have to give up on the notion that we are. So how do we learn to trust God? How do we learn to trust God in the present, this God that we trust for our eternity? How do we learn to trust him now? To do that, we're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter two. We're going to continue with the discussion that Solomon is having at the end of his life where he's kind of looking back and going, this is what I did with my time. Uh, What was I thinking, right? And we're going to look at, at three things that we have to, if we're going to learn to trust God that we have to stop doing and three things that we need to start doing instead. All right. So let's learn some more from Solomon. It says beginning in chapter two, we're going to go through verses one through 15 today. I'm reading out of the Christian standard Bible. We're going to do this in pieces. Let's do verses one through three. It says, I said to myself, go ahead. I will test you with pleasure. sounds like every 20 year old I've ever met, including myself. (laughs) Enjoy what is good but it turned out to be futile. I said about laughter, it is madness, and about pleasure, what does this accomplish? I explored with my mind the pull of wine in my body, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I think there should be quotes there. It feels like a sarcastic wisdom, right? And how to grasp folly until I could see what is good for people to do under heaven or during the few days of their lives. He's He's doing, again, what I think almost all of us do when we're younger. We kind of go, you know, I'm finally out of my parents' house. <laughs> I have some freedom. How? What is? What is the world really like? What does it really have to offer? And so I'm pursuing those things and, and really pursuing what feels good, right? We're making a decision about what feels good in the moment. And the truth is, that's not something we completely grow out of. We live in a it's all about me culture, this culture of, of it's about what I'm feeling, about what I'm sensing right now. And our our news cycle kind of leverages that. That's why the, the news stories continue to get more and more and more slanted and more and more outlandish. It's because um, they're trying to elicit a feeling right a feeling of anger or a feeling of angst or a feeling of goodness or pleasure or whatever it is they're trying to make those feelings as large as it possibly can and we kind of convince ourselves especially early on but we can, we continue to convince ourselves because of our culture and because of our just our generalized inborn selfishness we convince ourselves that what feels good right now is what we should be chasing what we should be doing But the truth is that's not the case because regardless of what stage you are in life, the truth is oftentimes with what we're feeling, our present self lies to our eternal self. Jeremiah 17, nine says it this way. It says, the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. That means it doesn't get better, (laughs) right? And incurable, who can understand it? It, the notion there is is this. Yeah, sometimes we feel fear, we feel pain, we feel we're trying to chase a feeling of pleasure and, and sometimes our heart is lying to us about the source of that or about the reality of that. We can point our finger at some of those things really easily, right? Solomon talks about a number of them here where he talks about getting drunk, right? Drinking a lot. I'm I'm exploring the, the the pull of my mind of wine on my body, right? I'm trying to understand why wine is attracting me and what that means, why I'm chasing that. We can say to people, that's crazy. Don't do that. Have you lost your mind? You're going to destroy yourself. You're going to destroy your health. You're going to destroy your soul. You're going to mess yourself up. He's talked about chasing whatever is, is pleasurable to him. He'll talk about it again in the next section where he talks about um, having all of the, the slaves that he'd ever wanted and, and having, and in the previous chapter we talked about the notion that, that he had 300 wives and 700 concubines and he's, he's pushing that too. He's clearly a man who chases those things. And we can look at those and say, no, 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 no. You've lost your mind. Don't chase that feeling. Don't chase that pleasure. It's destroying you. Your present self is lying to your eternal self. Your heart is deceitful and it's lying to you. But, you know, I got to tell you, that's a hard shift to make because it means moving our priorities from being me-centered to God-centered. It means choosing to let my feelings give way to God's feelings on something and God has feelings he's passionate about what he would have us do and not do and he has some very strong words about continuing to do the things that we shouldn't do that we know we shouldn't do right it's this thing called sin he gets kind of mad about it right he's got feelings he's got passions he's got desires for us but e- even as the people of God, I think we have trouble making this shift of shifting away from the idea that our feelings, our present feelings, are telling us the truth about what is and what's not, rather than being deceitful. I'll give you an example. We talked last week about this idea of, of kind of in order to complete the cycle of our faith, the circle of our faith, right? We have to trust Jesus, the focus of, of kind of this week's lesson, learning to trust God we also have to honor him in our actions and our activities. and We have to make disciples, that, that process. You're going to continue to hear more about that process in the coming weeks and months well beyond this series. But it's, it's the idea of leaning into making more disciples, leaning into the, what God has planned for us, because that's how we grow and how the world grows and how we all come to know him. But in some of those areas we do allow our feelings to overtake, to lie to our eternal self about what matters. Sometimes sharing the gospel can be that thing where we have fears where we say, I'm too scared to go talk to this person or I'm too scared to mention the word Jesus because I know what's going to happen. We're letting, so I shouldn't, right? I shouldn't. If if I'm feeling scared, this isn't the right time and I shouldn't do it. I got to tell you, a lot of times, that's got nothing to do with it. Um, Sometimes it is the right time and it's our own fears, it's our own current self lying to our eternal self about what matters. Sometimes that inhibits us or keeps us from talking to one another when we know somebody is hurting or when we know they're going through something that that is pulling them away from God where they're chasing one of these other things, the greed or the lust or whatever it is they're chasing that's keeping them away from God and we we kind of we kind of go I'm too, I'm too scared to have that discussion. I'm not going to talk it over with them. And we kind of ignore it and move on. I got to tell you, sometimes that's, in fact, often, that's our present self. That's our heart deceiving us. It's lying to our future self about what really needs to be done. So that's what we shouldn't do. We, we, we shouldn't always, by default, trust our own feelings. That's, that's the point thing, first point of things to stop. Stop trusting by default our own feelings because sometimes our feelings lie to us. Instead, we need to be asking ourselves whenever we feel something powerful, whether that be fear or anger or even joy in the moment, right? Happiness in the moment. When somebody's high as a kite, they feel happy in the moment or contented in the moment, right? This sense of contentment, that's a feeling, that they're longing for and they want. We all wanna be contented. But we have to ask ourselves, are we trusting our own feelings when we should be trusting God's call, when our hearts are deceiving us? To do that, we have to start and stop trusting our feelings and start answering the call that he has on our lives, start trusting that he will take us where we need to go eternally, right? Again, we've trusted him with all of who we are throughout our eternity, That should start now. That doesn't start upon our death. That starts now. It means asking when we're upset about some of the critical issues of our day. If you're upset about Black Lives Matter or you're upset about immigration or you're upset about global warming or you're upset about whatever it is we're angry about or frustrated about or saddened over, we should ask ourselves What does God have to say about this? What does God feel about this? Because again, God feels. God has passions for what really does matter and what really doesn't matter. And so we have to be cognizant about keeping those things in our purview, seeing those things and recognizing that he will guide us even when our hearts do not accurately guide us about all the tough issues we face and the simple question is how do I get that knowledge well this is pretty easy read the bible <laughs> and don't just don't just read it when things go bad but if it's a habit if it's ingrained in who we are right if we're able to see what he has us prepared what he's prepared for us because the scriptures though they were not written to us make no mistake they were written for us right for you for me for those who came before us and for those who will come after us they are written for us to learn from him and 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 learning to lean into what he wants from us rather than our own feelings is it's a it's a constant process of fighting against the it's all about me culture and it's the all about me robness that makes me human the selfish center that i have the funny thing is That the more we lean into his call, the more we lean into his word, the more we lean into his passions and feelings, the less our own feelings deceive us. The less our own feelings deceive, deceive us. And then we are angry about the things that really do matter, that we should be angry about, and we aren't angry or we aren't upset about the things that God is in control of it's the it's sense of perspective and a sense of peace that comes only from knowing him and what matters to him eternally and evaluating against what we think matters right now. Let's keep rolling. In verse 4, we'll pick up in verse 4 of chapter 2, it says this, I increased my achievements... The American dream, right? I increased my achievements. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself. I planted every kind of tr- fruit tree in them. I constructed reservoirs for myself which, from which to irrigate a grove of flourishing t- trees. I want you to listen in this as we read the rest of this passage. How many times he says, I and myself. I and myself. I and myself, right? So let's let's keep going. Verse 7, I acquired male and female servants and had slaves who were born in my house. I owned livestock, large herds, and flocks, more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. I also amassed silver and gold for myself and treasures of kings and provinces, so I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. My wisdom also remained with me all that my eyes desired, I did not deny them. I did not refuse myself any pleasure for I took pleasure in all my struggles. This was my reward for all my struggles. When I considered all that I had accomplished and what I had labored to achieve, I found everything to be futile and a pursuit of the wind. There was nothing to be gained other than the sun, under the sun. I, 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 me, myself, and I. Do we think Where are we going with this next one, the things we should stop doing? We should stop depending upon only ourselves to carry us through. If you read this text we just read, it's all about his achievements, right? It starts with, I increased my achievements. These are the things that I'm doing depending on my wisdom, right? I'm doing what seems good to me in the moment. And I am chasing this, I am building this, I am doing this. But he gets to the end of it and says this phrase, in verse 11, it says, I found everything to be futile in a pursuit of the wind. That's a phrase that shows up seven times in the book of Ecclesiastes, this pursuit of the wind, the idea that that he's chasing all of these things that he is confident that he can catch, right? He can achieve it, he can make it happen. And then he realizes once he finally tries to catch the wind There is nothing there. It's of little to no value. And he's depending upon himself, his own achievements, to get him to where he wants to go. So he's, number one, chasing things that are useless, right? Futile, useless, don't matter. We talked about that last week. And number two, he's depending upon only himself to get him where he wants to go. That's his barometer. That's his evaluation. This is what I have done. This is what I have built. This is what I have got. This is what I've done for myself. This is my wisdom that has got me here. It's all about me depending upon me to get me where I want to go. If we want to learn to trust God, if we want to learn to depend on Him, then the truth is we have to stop. I have to stop depending on me. I have to choose to not depend on myself all the time. That means sometimes taking risks that give up our illusion of control. That choose to give it up. When Heather and I moved to Arkansas, uh, you know we had to give up a lot of our illusion of control. <laughs> Uh, I had to quit my job and she had to close her business. We had to uh, sell our first home that we had bought together, the home that we were we were remodeling and, and building out together and that our kids were growing up in that we felt comfortable in and confident in. We had to walk away from a little bit of our, our, our close some of our closest relationships because God had a different call on our lives. And that was really hard because you're asking me to give up comfort. And security and consistency, and all of these things that make my heart feel warm and fuzzy inside that I loved so much in order to go where He wants me to go. But I think that one of the greatest lessons that we learned, and Heather and I talk about it regularly, is we learned that there is value in depending upon Him over only depending upon ourselves. Because the truth is, He carried us financially. He provided for us through all of our time in Arkansas and well into all through our time in Minnesota where truthfully every month it was about what he provided. It had nothing to do with what I could earn. When we were in, when I was in seminary in Arkansas and um, I worked part-time like 10 hours a week at a church because that's all I was allowed to work. Um, I was not allowed to work according to the university standards. The expectations were I would not have a full-time job. And so money was really utterly and completely out of my hands. I could not do it. And Heather felt led that she she needed to stay home with the kids and manage our household. And so she didn't work either. She believed that God was, was convicting her to do that. And so what did that mean? Well, that means that our income, personal earned income, what I could depend on from myself, what I could, according to Solomon, what I could achieve, what I could build was about this big. <laughs> But what God could provide was so much more. And he carried us financially for seven or eight years through the graciousness of his people, through lining things up and making things happen, through relationships that we had. He made it work. And I don't know that I would have had an opportunity to learn, to trust, to depend on him if I hadn't been in some ways kind of just had to accept the notion that I couldn't depend always on myself to get me where I needed to go. You know, it's, it's an understanding that we've given up that illusion of control that when we, we learn just how faithful our God is, we learn who he is and what he's about. Jesus set this as an example for us in Luke chapter 22 He is is in the garden and he's he's about to face persecution. He's about to be taken prisoner. He's about to be hung on a cross and he knows what's coming. And he says in verse 42 of Luke 22, he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me, right? If you can make this go away, I don't want to do this, right? I I don't want to do what's about to happen. I don't want to experience this. I don't want to feel this. I don't want to do this, right? Nevertheless, And here's the key point, not my will, but yours be done. He exemplifies the importance of understanding that the only thing that's gonna get him to the goal, because remember, the goal for Jesus is the salvation of the world. You know, that eternity that we trust him with, right? The only way it's going to get done is if his will is set aside and God's will is brought forth. Because the truth is, if he says no, remember, he is God too. And if he says right now, nope, I'm not doing this. My will is to not do this. I'm not doing it. Guess what? We're all pickled. Right? But he didn't. And then in verse 43, as soon as Jesus says that, right? Again, it's an example for us. It says, then an angel from heaven appeared to him and came and strengthened him. What Jesus is laying out for us is that when we stop depending upon ourselves all the time, we can learn to depend on God to carry us. And the truth is he will. But if we want to learn to trust his provision, we have to give him an opportunity to provide. And so I would ask you to make those decisions. Uh, I continue to have to make those decisions in my life. We're dealing with that right now as, as we've, we've, you know many of you have seen on facebook one of our cats has gone missing and and it's it's hitting our family pretty hard um but the truth is in in many ways as much as we would like to control the situation this is just a reminder that it's out of our control and the truth is we have to depend on god to carry us and every time we've had to depend on god to carry us he has come through big and brought us out the other side with a grander understanding of who he is and sometimes even just in a better place. Let's keep going. Ecclesiastes 2, this is 12 through 15. This is our last point for the day. It says, Then I turn to consider wisdom, madness, and folly, for what will the king's successor be like? He will do what has already been done. That's funny that's funny all the things i'm telling you all the things i'm experiencing all the mistakes i've made guess what's going to happen after i die the next guy's going to do the same exact thing (laughs) why because we're human and we seem to have to want to experience all these things for ourselves all right so in verse 13 it says and then i realized there is an advantage to wisdom over folly like the advantage of light over darkness the person the wise person has eyes in his head but the fool walks in darkness Yet I also knew that one fate comes to them both. And so I said to myself, what happens to the fool also happens to me. Why then have I been overly wise? And I said to myself that this is also futile. The the final lesson is this, is that if we want to learn to trust God, then we have to, learn that our wisdom isn't true wisdom we talked about the heart at the beginning right remodeling our heart and remembering that that chasing a feeling right here right now is my present self lying to my future self he talked about not being able to depend upon my physical self, my own efforts to get where God wants me to go and to achieve what God wants us all to achieve in him, right? To, to trust that he is carrying us to a grander purpose and that we must set aside those things in order for him to demonstrate his faithfulness, in order for him to provide. We have to trust that his provision will carry even when we cannot. We have to give him opportunities to do that. But what it all comes down to is a choice. It all comes down to the choice to be the wise person who has eyes in his head. Who is seeing that God is in control. That God is worthy of trust. That God is shining a light unto our path, right? My words are a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's trusting that he has lit that path and he is is taking us where we need to go. And it's to do it now, not just in our eternity, but in our present, right? Remember, we started this with the, the big question. The big question is, if we trust him with our eternity, shouldn't we learn to trust him in our now? Solomon got to the end of his life and looked back and thought, I've learned nothing. I wasn't as smart, other than I wasn't as smart as I thought I was and that everybody else is going to make the same mistakes I just made because it's our human nature, right? And I wandered around in darkness all of this time when the light was available, when it was ready. And essentially, Solomon believes much of his life is a waste, And for us as Christians, we have to make the choice to say that our eternity with the Lord that we trust him with begins now. It begins right here and right now as we recognize that he is in control and that we are not. And that that's a good thing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. He be gracious to you. May he grant you favor and give you peace.